Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome to Burning Issue with myself, Yazid Kamaldin. And of course, also good evening to all our listeners, wherever you are. This evening, we are looking at the National Health Insurance Bill. Now, you may have heard about this in the news. You may have heard about it on the radio, read about it somewhere. Of course, tonight we want to look at the pros and cons. And we also want to understand how far we are in the process of uh, the government's plans to have a national health insurance. We are, of course, going to make sure that we get various voices on air, which would be people who are for and against this. Now, we first want to bring on uh, the government spokesperson. Uh, we want to bring on Loazi Manzi. Uh, Loazi, are you available? Yes, I'm here with you. Hi, good evening. Welcome to Burning Issue. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you very much. And yourself? Good, thank you. So just to confirm, Loazi, are you talking as a spokesperson for the National or Provincial Health Minister? Okay, yes, I am a medical doctor and I am the spokesperson for the Minister of Health, Dr. William Kieser. Okay, fantastic. Look, I mean, I think we want to make sure that all our listeners are on the same page. So if somebody hasn't heard about the national proposed national health insurance for South Africa, in a nutshell, what what is it and what is being proposed? Okay, so um, the national health insurance is a strategy for the security of health for all South Africans. What uh, the National Health Insurance recognizes are several things. So here is our points of departure. Number one, the National Health Insurance recognizes that there have been past inequalities and injustices from colonialism and from apartheid that have been inherited in today's daily life, which affects the ability of many South Africans to access and secure their health care. Number two, it recognizes certain bills and clauses, sorry, certain clauses and recommendations of the Constitution. And that is that it recognizes Section 27 of the Constitution that sets out uh, the Bill of Rights, which includes the right of every single person and every child, every single citizen and every child, to quality health care. And not only does the bill say that, but it also says that the state must use every single resource at its disposal to ensure that it meets this right. The bill then also goes to recognize that um, we are in the midst of a global order of universal health coverage. What does that mean? That means that the world over, everybody is uh, aspiring towards universal health coverage as a means to, uh, to achieve that um, aspiration Many, many nations have signed up to the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. And universal health coverage is the third sustainable development goal, making it a very much a top priority globally. South Africa has signed up to that sustainable development goal, and therefore it is a top priority for us as well. So the National Health Insurance, therefore, recognizing all of these things, says that currently there is inequality in the way that health care is delivered. We have two parallel systems that operate independently of each other and do not talk to each other. The one is the private health care system, which only looks after 14% of our population and is characterized by over-servicing, 
and uh, and and high out-of-pocket expenses as well as high expenses in medical aid contributions. The other side is the public health care system, which takes care of 84% of the country, and is characterized by crumbling infrastructure and um, overburden of disease. These two uh, systems that don't speak to each other and don't cooperate with each other, each of them have similar budgets. In fact, there is actually a little bit more money circulating in the private health care system. At the same time, our GDP, eight, about 8% of our GDP, half of it is spent on the 14%, and the other half is spent on the 84%. So, we, so the National Health Insurance uh, Bill says, no, this is unjust and this is not right. And it's also not very good business mm-hmm. either. It's not good healthcare business. Loazi, can, you please, pull, hmm? yes. can you please clarify? Can you one last sentence. Let us pull all of these resources together and ensure that everybody has equal access to quality healthcare. Loazi, can you please clarify what you mean by half? is spent on 14% because private healthcare indicates that someone is paying out of their pocket for it, but you're saying the GDP, half of it is, is spent on the 14%. That's correct. Yes. So remember that um, the government, when you have medical aid, the government uh, pays for some of that medical aid, for quite a lot of that medical aid, by tax rebates. So a lot of that money, of, our, of government money, goes into those tax rebates and you get that money back as a consumer. So that's the first thing. That means that we are, in fact, uh, subsidizing the private health care system. Number two, we have this thing called the Government Employees uh, uh, um, GEPF, which is the um, government um, uh, insurance for medical health. So uh, not GEPF, that's the pension fund. Uh, this is a, a um, government insurance for health care. So through that, we also subsidize the private health care system with thousands and thousands and thousands of government employees who are on that medical scheme, okay. on the government medical okay. scheme. We also, so there's also COID, which is, uh, which is all of the injury and duties, which is all government paid. And there's also the road accident fund. And then there's also some other smaller schemes which government puts into the private health care system. And so that is how we end up spending half of our GDP on private health care. Yeah. Loazi, I know that I've got you only until about just before half past, so I want to get through a couple of questions, and we also have an ad prayer coming up in the next two minutes. Um, by the way, listeners, you are more than welcome to participate in the show. You can send us a WhatsApp for now. We're not going to take any calls right now, but send us a WhatsApp on 072-238-0712. We'll open the lines a bit later. The live on-air number is 0214-423530. And just to say that the views expressed in this program are not the views of the voice of the Cape, it's management or staff. Loazi, uh, something very important uh, that we need to update our listeners on is, so this is a proposed law. Where is it now in the process? National health insurance is not something yet that is legislated. It is not yet law. Where is it now in the process? Yes. So at the moment, it is now a national health insurance bill. And uh, about two weeks ago, so on Thursday, two weeks ago, it was introduced to Parliament. So how that works is that it gets introduced to the Speaker, and then the Speaker is now going to introduce it to Parliament when Parliament resumes sitting. So that is where it's at. What that means is that it is now subjected to the parliamentary processes of, um, of actually examining the bill. 
That means that um, the National Assembly will engage the bill and the National Council of Provinces will engage the bill. That also means that it is now published for the public to scrutinize and for the public to participate in the public hearing processes. Everything that uh, is discussed and any amendments that need to be made to the bill shall be, shall be done through this process. So what that means is that everybody has an opportunity to uh, examine the bill and interrogate it and make suggestions as to how this bill can actually work for South African citizens in attaining universal health care. Okay. Does it mean that private health care falls away if we have a national health insurance? No, it does not. So as I, expl- as I was explaining, what the bill says, and which is in line with the Constitution, is that it recognizes that we have facilities in the public sector and facilities in the private sector. What it says that this insurance fund is going to create a single pool that will strategically purchase services from correctly accredited facilities. These will include private facilities as well as current state facilities. What that means is that private facilities are not going to be bought by the state. They will remain in the hands of those that own them. Those facilities can opt in, so they will not be obliged either to be accredited facilities to the NHI. They will have an opportunity to opt in and, and be accredited and then therefore be contracted into the NHI and render services for the NHI. And the NHI will purchase those services on behalf of of a user and that will be either private or public facilities except that at that stage it won't be seen as a public or private facility the first instance every single facility is going to be standardized to ensure that whether you are whether you are in peter marisburg or you're in cape town or you're in moto or you're in toyandu you get the services that you expect to receive anywhere else mm-hmm. so there will be standardization of services and those accredited facilities are going to stay in the hands of whoever it is that owns them currently or whoever wants to own them in the future. And the NHI, all it does is that it purchases the services on behalf of the user from that accredited okay. facility. We have a question from one of our listeners. Listener 0022 would like to know, will this make medical aid more costly or more affordable? So... What we can say about medical aid is that the laws are going to change such that medical aid may not provide the same comprehensive services that will be provided by the NHI. Now, the first thing to say about the NHI is that it will provide comprehensive services based on need. If you need to have a heart transplant you will get, and you qualify for a heart transplant, you will get your heart transplant. If you need your antibiotics, you will get your antibiotics. If you just need to stay in bed for a few days with a bit of water and love and care, you'll stay for a few days with a bit of water and love and care. The medical aids will be able to provide comp- complementary cover. What does complementary cover mean? I hear, I hear the term top-up being used, which is very incorrect, because what top-up implies is that the NHI is going to have some kind of a cap on on the kind of care that it can provide for you, and then you still need your medical aid to top you up so that you get to the level of care that you're supposed to get to know. 
What complementary cover means is that if you either do not want or somehow you do not qualify uh, for the services that the NHI has to provide, then that's when your medical aids can step in. Now, as an example that we usually use, which is just a very obvious example, is that the NHI, for example, will not cover for your nose job. So for your cosmetic surgery, you won't be covering for that. That's when, that, that is the kind of um, uh, cover that we call complementary cover, where a medical aid can step in. Now, whether that means that it's going to be more expensive or less expensive, that I cannot say. Because mm-hmm. I'm, not, uh, I'm not in the medical aid industry. I don't know how their pricing works. Yeah. Okay. What I can say to users is that you, 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 you will not need to have a medical aid. If you are uh, signed up to the NHI and registered with the NHI and you comply with the rules of the NHI as you access the services, at the point of care, the services are free. Okay. Look, I have I have a few more questions before we need to need to break for our prayer um, session. Uh, Ishai Salah, actually. So um, we need to understand firstly who will qualify for health insurance, and secondly, um, you had mentioned earlier in the show that we've got a, a, a crippling health public health uh, service. So mm-hmm. I mean, how does government then intend to meet the burden of of uh, of of, of you know, more people. I mean, a national health insurance, you know, can we even afford this? How will we finance this? Yes, okay. Um, all right, so, so, so let me ask you your second question first, okay? Yes, we know that um, our problem is our infrastructure. One of the things that we know we're very good at is that we have very, very good quality healthcare personnel. We've got very, very good quality protocols to take care of people. So I don't think anybody can dispute that once you come into contact with somebody in the public health care system, you actually get very, very good quality care. The only thing that they might complain about in terms of this month is that they are frustrated and that they're in a bad mood because they're working too hard. But in terms of the actual quality of care, it's actually very good. I would like somebody to try to, to actually dispute that. Now, we know that as government, and we have sat with the National Health Council and looked at how much it would cost to get the infrastructure up to scratch because no facility will be able to be contracted into the NHI unless it is up to scratch, unless it is accredited by the Office of Health Health, uh, Care Compliance. Now, we also recognize that it will be completely counterproductive to NHI if our facilities are not the facilities of choice because then the NHI will collapse. We also have calculated how much this costs to build up the infrastructure, and this has absolutely got nothing to do with NHI at this stage. It's actually just us looking at the infrastructure and seeing how much it will cost to actually get it up to scratch to a point where it can actually service people at a standard that is more than acceptable for the people. The NHI is going to be implemented in 2026. That gives us seven years to get our act together before all of these facilities are contracted into the NHI. And so I want to reassure all South Africans that we do know that we have an infrastructure problem and that we are actively working on ensuring that that infrastructure is going to be built up and is going to be fixed before NHI is implemented. Can we afford NHI? But the answer is we absolutely can afford NHI. We already pay, as, as I've already pointed out, in our GDP, we're already kind of paying for everybody. It's not going to be double the number of patients that we're paying for because we are already paying for everyone. 
to uh, in the private sector to, to a large degree, in the public sector to a full degree. And so we're looking at a, a slightly increased cost, which we have costed out. As I've explained to you, we will be reclaiming some funds that are not being circulated in the public sector into the NHI. And so when we begin NHI, we won't even need to tax anybody. By reclaiming all of those other sources of income that are in the circulation, we will be able to afford to take care of everybody. So we are very confident that we are capable and able to fix the infrastructure and that when NHI is instituted, we will be absolutely capable of paying for all of those services. We are working together with all of the uh, practitioners and the private healthcare groups to come up with costings that are going to be effective and are going to be able to fit into the budget and are not going to bust the budget and are also going to sustain as well all of those facilities that are going to be uh, credited into the NHI. And so uh, we as government are exceptionally confident that we have the money and we have the capability to ensure that the NHI is a standard that everybody wants it to be. Um, so your first question was, before we go to Salah. Sorry, who will qualify for NHI? Who will qualify, yes. Um, everybody, every South African citizen qualifies for NHI. When a child is born in this country, they automatically will be registered into NHI. All permanent residents qualify for NHI. Um, all uh, foreign nationals that are designated by the minister qualify for NHI. Is that not irrespective of your income? Because usually some hospitals, you know... Mm-hmm. Irrespective of your income, whether you have money or not, you will qualify for NHI. All you have to do is register into NHI, into the health patients registration system. We, in fact, do already have 42 million patients registered onto the health patients registration system. So that system is already going, and it's also going to be coordinated with home affairs as well. Mm-hmm. So every single person qualifies for NHI. The only people who don't qualify for NHI are illegal immigrants and asylum seekers. They will qualify for emergency health care because that's what's set out in the Constitution. And in the interest of public health, will also qualify for treatment of communicable diseases because you obviously don't want them in, uh, want um, anyone uh, infecting anybody else with a communicable disease that can end up being a pandemic. Yeah. Loazi Manzi, thank you so much for joining us this evening on Burning Issue. We're going to leave it at that. And thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. So listen, is that laid the, the groundwork for our program this evening on the National Health Insurance, proposed uh, National Health Insurance, of course, for South Africa. We now break for the Shai Wacht and afterwards we'll continue the conversation. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Good evening. Welcome back to Burning Issue with myself, Yazid Kamaldin. This evening we are talking about the proposed national health insurance, uh, which our government wants to take, of course, uh, what they call universal health care, which means that everybody should have access to health care. And the intention is also to incorporate the private health care sector into this national health insurance. Now, I'm going to be very honest. I have had experience in both public and private health facilities um, and I have got um, criticisms of both. In the first instance, I'd like to reflect on my experience in a private healthcare facility in gardens. Um, 
And I went there, I walked in, I showed them my medical aid card. Zero questions were asked. I was given a private room. I was hospitalized for three days. Um, the bill came. It was 16,000 Rand. I only had to pay 10%, which was like 1,600. My criticism is that I felt while the service was good and, and I was taken good care of, it was almost like there was no consultation around the money stuff. It was just like put through the paperwork was just very quick um, and then I felt that the doctor in his consultation afterwards was trying to sell me extra services like a nutritionist and this and that and the other and I understand it's private health care but I really felt like um, you know it was kind of like definitely focused on making money okay in public health care I went to Grotesque Hospital I had to stay there overnight I had a really terrible experience I mean the nurses were shouting in fact I had a nurse shouting at me while I was like on medication um, it was a very unpleasant experience um, I wanted to phone home for my family to come and fetch me um, the nurse basically tried once and she was very unhelpful I had to take a taxi home actually so I had a very bad experience with the public health facility and it's just the attitude overall was, was just not it was a disaster actually so how do we get to a point where we have access to quality health care this is what our government wants to do. We heard before the Shai break from the spokesperson for the National Health Minister saying, you know, that in six years' time we want to have this. And um, while the health department acknowledges that we've got a national health care system which is crumbling, they are saying that uh, they want to incorporate the private sector into the system now and improve um, health services. But what does it mean? For people, you know, and that's essentially what we're coming to tonight. We want to understand the pros and the cons of a national health insurance. What would this mean? Now, um, I do want to just say that thank you, of course, Shukran, to our listeners for sending messages on WhatsApp. You are more than welcome to continue doing so. The number on the WhatsApp line is 072-238-0712. Do you think that the government can offer national health insurance Universal health care is the question. Of course, we have uh, various people in the field who will be in studio answering that question. Also on the phone, you can also give us a call. The number is 021-442-3530. That is 021-442-3530. We now welcome to the show Mehboob Ali Kasim. Did I say that right? That's fine. Yeah? Perfect. Is that good? Um, and I'm... Good evening. Assalamu alaikum. alaikum. Is that microphone okay? As well. this, um, is the sound okay there? Yeah? Okay, cool. Good. So it says that you're a board member of the Independent Community Pharmacy Association. Um, and it says also that your association is supportive of national health insurance. But you're not here speaking or representing the government. Correct. Yeah, so, so that's the first disclaimer we need to make is that I am a director of the Independent Pharmacy Association. Um, and the views are the views of the Independent Community Pharmacy Association, not necessarily those of any particular government. And um, we okay. also, yeah, yeah. Sure. so we also need to understand that this this, this is a, a topical item at the moment, and it's it's a work in progress. Okay, the big question. Yes. Why do you support NHI? Why do you support the National Health Insurance? Okay, so. The question we need to ask, and people often ask this, and we'll probably get to it a bit later, and I'm going to answer it in the same way. People say, can we afford NHI? And the response to that, the simple answer is, can we afford not to have NHI? So in the same light, I'm going to say to you, oh, this is not a new concept. 
NHI has been around forever. It's part of the Constitution. It's a fundamental right. Everybody has and should have a right to health care. And that is the stance that we've taken as, as the Independent Community Pharmacy Association, that we need to ensure that the people of South Africa have access to quality health care and um, they're not denied health care just because of their level of income or any other factors that may influence their health. So on based purely on that, we say we need this. The patients cannot wait for it anymore. So in in okay. support of our patients. Yeah. That's okay, follow up question. Don't we already have health care? We have public health facilities and we have private health care. Why mess with private health care? Why not? So I know Because our government maybe isn't good at doing its job. Okay. So let's 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 go back. And yes, there are issues. So so let me start by saying that again, NHI is work in progress, number one. Number two, there's a lot of issues in the NHI bill itself. Right? Those are being dissected at the moment and as organizations, as healthcare professionals, as the public, we have an opportunity to comment on this bill. So I'd like to encourage whoever's listening to say have a look through it. If you belong to an organization, if you're a member of public, comment on this bill and have your say because that's what it's about. It's about that public interaction and participation. Let's let's look at this and we say, yes, there's corruption in the in the state sector. And we all have to agree on that. There is a level of corruption in the state sector. That doesn't mean that there's no level of corruption in the private sector. Okay. So what we're saying is that we've got a country where eighty four percent of our people 84% of our people cannot have access to medical aid. What that ultimately means is that those 84% of the people are pushed into the very few public facilities that we have. And there is no rate of growth. There's no way that we're going to be able to build enough hospitals to cover the rate of growth of the population of the country. If you consider the economic slump, people also cannot afford medical aid. So you're going to get to a point where there's going to be more and more people depend on the public health sector. So based on that, you have two options. You're either going to say, that's not my problem because I can afford medical aid, or you're going to say, let's work on this and come up with a solution that works for the health industry, that works for the government, but that ultimately services the need of the patient. So th that's my view on this. And when we look at... I'll give you an example of a medical aid, mm -hmm. one of the biggest schemes in the country, uh, if not the biggest uh, after the government scheme, is paying 23 million rand a month to rent a head office building in Santon. Okay, that's your money as a medical aid member. Okay, why are they paying 23 million? You can buy a building every month for 23 million. It's over expenditure in private healthcare. So when you're talking about corruption in the state... I, I have to just say, though, I have to just say, though, that using a private facility's rental fee as an excuse for uh, sort of incorporating them into the public health system is not really a good argument in okay. my books. So first of all... I need know, to understand. Yeah. I need to understand. We, we, you we, know? We're trying to understand mm -hmm. a couple of things. Number yeah. one, that whether it's private or public, the system is broken. Let's not fool ourselves, okay? Like I mean, we know private health is out there to make Correct. up, to get money from us. But aside from but the we getting need money, to know that we're not going to lose access to quality health care. Correct. So South Africa has good doctors. South Africa has good health care professionals, pharmacists, nurses. We've got that, right? Um, you had an experience in a private hospital. You had an experience in a public hospital. I think what we can agree on is that the patient experience in both settings is not what it should be. Okay. So 
let's 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 dissect this and we take and, and I understand that you're on the fence on the issue and maybe let's break it down into I have to ask tough questions. No, correct. It's my job. And, yeah. and yeah. I am also not representing the NHI department. I'm mm-hmm. representing a view of where how pharmacy as independent community pharmacy have come forward and said, listen, we, we need this, not because we need it as pharmacy, but because the public, the people of South Africa cannot wait longer for quality health care. So if there's another idea of how we can get quality health care to the people, then we can look at it. Well, but, I mean, shouldn't, shouldn't the, the government just improve its current offering? Yes. Isn't that how it can yeah. offer better health care? By improving state hospitals and the way it functions presently. We still want to accommodate all the people that need health care. Uh, and, and that is the fundamental problem, is that there's an over... I mean, you're looking about 84% of our population. And, and how many doctors work in private versus how many doctors work in public? So you've got the majority of doctors servicing the minority of people and the minority of people trying to get through with them, the majority of people trying to get service by the minority okay. of healthcare professionals. So let's understand how this is going to work. Government is saying, and we heard the spokesperson for the health minister saying before the break, that a private healthcare facility can choose to opt into NHI. Correct. Yeah. Government will then send, or it will then be accessible to any citizen Correct. of our country. Correct. And there will be this big uh, purse or bank account that is the government's bank account Mm -hmm. that will pay for the services of citizens at various facilities. Correct. That still to me does not sound like the best plan. Okay. Come up with another. So, so here's the thing: what the, there isn't, there isn't many options. You're either going to allow uh, monopolies to control your healthcare system, which is happening in the current private sector. Healthcare in the private sector, whether the public knows it or not, is controlled by a handful of companies, and that means a handful of people. And we can allow that narrative to continue, and healthcare in South Africa will completely belong in other people's hands. Mm. I mean, the worst part is also right. people who pay so, for a whole year for medical aid and never go to the hospital once and never access their... their aside thing. from that, I mean, you went, to, you went to a private facility. You still had to pay an out-of-pocket expense of 1,600 rand. Why? Why are you paying? You're paying almost 30% of your salary, if not more. I mean, for your family of four, it's a hell of a lot more, into a medical aid. And, and you end up with a hospital bill that you still have to pay or a doctor's bill that you still have to pay afterwards. So what we're saying is that there needs to be a re-engineering of how we see healthcare in this country. Who's going to pay for, for NHI? If, let's have an example if I'm on medical aid. Yeah. Um, do I then have to cancel my medical aid because now there's NHI and then I then have to pay the government something or how yeah. does it work? So and, and I mean, who even knows where that money is going to go? Correct. So, so look, I agree with you. There is a level of corruption, but take corruption out of the equation for now. Okay, let's understand that we need this to be, to happen. Okay, we need this to happen. How do we make it happen? Let's go there. So, number one, if we look at the spend, like like Loazi mentioned, there's four percent of GDP going to service eight, um, twelve, what's it, fourteen percent of the population. Look, getting and, tax and money, getting 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 money back that mm-hmm. I've already paid, to me. So, is, so is, you is, realize is, that that's actually a benefit from the government, right? Getting that tax rebate. It doesn't have to be there. So that's a benefit. Yeah, but it's still, money. it's still my money at the end of the day. Right. So you could get that back from anywhere. 
because it's your money. A healthcare provider, a medical aid could say to you, oh, Mr. Adams, you haven't used your medical aid for the year. Here's 6,000 rand for you. Oh, Doesn't don't happen. we wish. Exactly. Don't we exactly. wish. So let's understand. That even that if they could just give us an airfare ticket on a vacation just to thank <laughs> us, even if they don't give us the money anyway. Yeah? So, so, so let's, let's understand the dynamic, okay? So, so we talk about money. Where is the money going to come from? And I want to give you a simple example. And I don't have all the answers. That's the honest truth. What we've pledged as an organization is to say we will support the initiative for the sake of the people. Let's sit around the table and decide on the nuts and bolts. Yeah. Because there's a lot of nuts and bolts. Let's go for a quick ad break. Sure. I'm also going to acknowledge some of the WhatsApp messages that have come through after the break. Great. Yeah. Welcome back to The Burning Issue with myself, Yazid Kamaldin. This evening we are discussing the National Health Insurance Bill, a proposed plan that government says will ensure all citizens have access to equal health care. We have been talking before the break to Mahboub Ali Kasim, and he, of course, is from the Independent Community Pharmacy Association. They are very supportive of NHI, or the National Health Insurance Bill. We are now going to welcome to the show Johan Serfontein, and he is a senior consultant with the South African Private Practitioners Forum. And of course, they are opposing NHI. Johan, good evening and welcome to Burning Issue. Uh, good evening and welcome to the listeners uh, list as well. Johan, why is the South African Private Practitioners Forum opposing NHI? Um, look, we set up in support of universal health coverage. Let me just put that up front. And NHR is just one possible form of universal health coverage. But unfortunately, it's not the right form for South Africa. And we think that it's probably going to do more damage within the South African healthcare system. And uh, we think that government should really, really look at other ways of achieving universal health coverage outside of having this single-payer monstrosity um, to pay for healthcare for everyone. And how will NHI be detrimental? Well, for starters, it's the South African economy is, is really in a bad shape. So if you implement an NHI in an environment where we don't have enough money, it's going to mean that whatever service basket is going to be purchased by NHI is probably going to be less than you're currently going to get if you go to a state facility. Now, uh, the Constitution requires a progressive realization of access to health care, and it's not progressive realization if you have access to less services under NHI than you would have prior to the implementation of NHI. And, and you know, so that's why we, we keep saying that it's very important that we need to find out what is this going to cost. And government has for 10 years not been able or willing to let us know what is NHI going to cost the country and what can we expect to get for the money that they say this is going to cost us? Let's focus a bit now on the money. Uh, when we talk about private health care, um, if one has a private medical aid, does it mean that you will no longer have a private medical aid and that you are now, uh, if I can say, forced by law to pay towards national health insurance run by the government? Well, you will be forced to contribute to NHI through taxes, so you won't be able to opt out of paying for it. Um, 
Whether you'll be able to opt out of using services in the NHI is a little bit more fuzzy at this stage, and that's one of the other concerns is the fact that we're 10 years down the line and we still don't have clarity on a great many things in the bill. But the role of medical schemes, uh, that is still a bit murky because medical schemes can offer complementary cover. What that exactly means, we're not quite sure because they do say it's services not reimbursable by the scheme. Um, so, yes, so that would mean your rare and uh, rare diseases that would be too expensive for the scheme to cover, so that would be covered. But also, if you skip the referral chain in NHI, then it says that the NHI fund will not reimburse those services and therefore your medical scheme can pay. But then also is if you use a private provider that's not contracted by the NHI fund, that will be not reimbursable by the scheme. And therefore one can assume that your medical scheme would be able to pay for that as well. But that, you know, that is, is a subtle change in wording from the previous version. So... You know, there's not certainty on that. But okay, I just want to say all of this sounds super confusing. Does it mean does it mean that I am going to pay the government a tax towards the national health insurance uh, sort of, if I can say, account that's meant to pay for all for everybody's access to healthcare and still pay for my private medical aid? Yes. Uh, well, you will be paying a tax. It'll be, uh, there will be a payroll tax, there will be a surcharge in your personal income tax, and they will take away your medical scheme tax credit as well. And the other part of the funding will be from the provincial equitable share. So money, money that's currently being paid to provinces to be used for healthcare, that will also be thrown into the NHI fund. Whether you have a medical scheme or not will be your choice. You know, If you are happy to, to stick to the basket of services that's available under NHI, you won't need a medical scheme. If you want to top up cover or cover for those other services, if you stick the referral chain or when you use providers yeah, that you've mentioned that. You've mentioned that. Thanks, Jan, you've mentioned that. What is important to know also is or to, 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 to mention also is that people do feel that private healthcare is a bit of a rip off and government needs to step in because what we see in private healthcare is sort of, uh, you know, exorbitant fees at time for things, you know. And and government is saying that it wants to equalize the playing field. Now, what, what, is, what do you say to that? Well, yes, private uh, health care might be expensive, but uh, part of the expense of that is the fact that government has not regulated it as they were supposed to have done. Government is quite able at this stage right now to set tariffs in the private sector. They did so for many years, and in 2010, because they did not take into consideration practice costs that were submitted in this tariff-setting process, the court set aside the tariff price list. Now, nothing prevents government from day to day having a process where they look at practice costs and then setting tariffs, but government doesn't want to do that at the moment. So that's part of the things that are driving costs in the private sector. The other thing driving cost is the fact that medical scheme membership is not increasing at this stage because employment is not increasing. You know, people can't, um, if you don't have more employees, you can't afford to pay for medical schemes. And if the government made medical scheme membership mandatory for everybody that's employed in South Africa, that would bring down the costs for everybody by 20% in the private sector. But that is also not happening at this stage because we're all focused on NHI, which is happening seven years from now on. But, Jan, not every employee can afford medical aid. Medical aid is quite expensive. People who are working in a job 
of a not so high income, even a medium income, need to think about food, rent, petrol. Medical aid is something that they will not be able to access because of some of the fees and some of the services that you get. So then they prefer still to go to a public facility. Yes, well, currently medical schemes are all forced by law to pay for prescribed minimum benefits. They have its own cost to every medical scheme about 850 rand per member per month. There was a lot of work done on introducing low-cost benefit options that don't need to provide cover for these services that work in a different way, and those would have been quite good for, for employees that are in, on lower-income plans. Some of the, the GEMS medical scheme plans for the lower-income earners send the people to the state to get their services. So there are different ways, and I mean, if NHR is going to be taxing employers anyway, then what's the difference whether you tax them in NHR or whether you force them to pay for a medical scheme on their employees now at the moment? It comes down to the same thing. So, well, the know, difference the difference is that government gets the money and not the private healthcare facility, and government is saying that it can provide a more equal service. But my question really is, how is this, or how do you see this happening uh, sort of like in reality? Because government is saying that they want to get private healthcare facilities to opt into NHI and then become available for the public to go and seek health care services there. I mean, can will this work? Well, no, it won't work, but for a variety of other reasons, part of it being there's not enough money available to pay for this if you want to fund it out of taxes, because we are in a terrible economic state at the moment, and we can't increase taxes any further because we've got a big problem with too many taxes and too much debt. The other issue is the governance issue, which, uh, you know, the minister has immense powers under this, and you're busy creating a state-owned entity that's going to be twice the size of this one, that is supposed to manage that amount of money without any corruption that we've had in any of the other state-owned entities. So, so that, is, that is the problem. But, yes, the idea is that this fund will buy services from the private sector. Of course, the assumption has to be there that, the tariffs that are offered to the private sector are considerate of costs of rendering the service. And now that's why we had that 2010 court case, because the, the tariffs that were set didn't consider the costs that were presented. Mm-hmm. Now, if that doesn't happen in NHI, we're going to be in exactly the same problem where the government gets taken to court and the tariffs get set aside again. Let me just go to some of the WhatsApp messages um, that have come through because we just want to acknowledge our listeners' participation in Burning Issue as well. Listeners, 0115 is very clear on his thoughts on the national health insurance. He says, NHI is a disaster in the making and a product of government's failure and incompetence to improve the ailing health system under the ANC rule. South Africa is the third world country that wants to adopt a first world country NHI system, which is causing misery to citizens and patients in countries where NHI is implemented. And now we have listener 7516 saying, or asking rather, and maybe our guests can answer this if they do know. The listener wants to know, how does the bill affect people that have medical aid? Will we be paying more? 
That's the first question. The second question is, will we be forced to cancel medical aid to take on NHI? And the third question is, and how will payment be made for NHI? Will it be compulsory? Um, does anybody want to answer any of those questions? I can also repeat them if you want to go through so, them again. Um, yeah, so Mabel. Yeah. Uh-huh. So um, just a few things. The first thing that comes to mind is, so I note the concerns of uh, Dr. Serfontaine, and some of them are justified in terms of how do you manage the fund? How do you ensure there's no corruption? How do you ensure providers get paid? Those are the nuts and bolts that we need to work on. Agreed. But what we need to agree on is that there needs to be a system to cater for the health of the public. Okay. So when you're talking about the country's economy, if the economy is in the low, that automatically means that less people are going to have medical aid. So now you're going to sit with a greater burden of disease. So if I look, let's, let's look at other countries. When, did, when Britain uh, adopted the NHS system, it was in World War II. They weren't exactly the richest country. Rwanda. Rwanda has implemented... Uh, Rwanda is an African country. They don't have a fantastic GDP. They've implemented a national health insurance and they're on their way to becoming the best in Africa. Um, I mean, that's a poor country. Ireland, in the 1970s, when they adopted their national health insurance, they were one of the poorest countries in Europe. So essentially so you're saying the are case studies that where it works. Correct. The question yeah. is, we need to, as, as, as a health care provider, say, listen, let's sit around the table, take our selfishness out of the issue and say, how do we serve the people and how do we come up with a concept that benefits the people and ensures the sustainability of the provider? So, so that's my, my take on that, on, on the issue of can we afford it? I think, mm-hmm. yes, we can. Yeah. Um, I'd just like to check with Dr. Serfontaine. If I understand that he's saying that the NHI is not the appropriate vehicle, then maybe there's other vehicles. That, for what, what other vehicles? Have they submitted another option to NHI that maybe we can look at? Or? Just in response to that, if I may, um, yes, the UK implemented NHS after the Second World War when they had absolutely nothing in place because they were coming out of a war. Rwanda implemented NHI directly after a genocide where half of the men in the country were murdered out, so they had nothing to replace. Ireland had an NHI bill in 2011 that they costed in 2015, and they scrapped it altogether and said they can't afford it, they need to look at other ways of implementing this. So it, it, it is none of those examples had a situation where you've got a, two healthcare systems in place and then replacing them with something else altogether. So that's a different system. Sapas so has made proposals on alternative reimbursement models. And Nathan, when we made comments on the white paper, there was a submission to the Davis Tax Commission on that as well. And the Davis Tax Commission, in their report that went to government, said that unless South Africa's economy grows by 5% a year, we can't afford to implement NHI. Now, that is a government tax commission that made that recommendation. Why is that recommendation being ignored? I mean, no, none of us are saying that the current system is ideal. It's definitely not, and we need to change it. But implementing an NHI, when your own tax commission says you can't afford it, that is irresponsible. So, Doc, no when does a country afford a health system? Because the, the fact that you're in a recession or you're in an economic down means that there's more health care needs of the public. Do we, what do we do? Do we turn a blind eye and say, well, you know what, you need to fend for yourself? Or how do we, how do we look at the public that cannot afford, the 84% that cannot afford health care? How do we service if, them? If, by the way, here's the other question. If 84% okay, of the population cannot afford health care, um, it leaves 14% to pay the tax towards NHI. Am I correct in that assumption? No. Well, 
actually 10% pays tax in South Africa. So 5.7 million people are paying taxes, and there's 8.8 million medical scheme members. So we want to replace a system where 8.8 million people are paying their own private money for their own private health care with a system where 5.7 million taxpayers must pay for that 8.8 million and the other 84% of the population currently using the state sector. Because you can't pay tax if you have no income, if you have no job, if you are poor, there is no way that you can contribute to NHI. So who's going to pay for this? If government is saying to us that we will be taxed, then my question is, who is going to pay for this? You know, because I'm, I'm looking now at the questions. Okay, I think we've answered these questions. Uh, listener 7516 has asked, how does the bill affect people that have medical aid? Will you be paying more? You will be paying more because you'll pay a tax and you'll be paying medical aid. Will we be forced to cancel medical aid and take on NHI? No. And how will payment be made for NHI? You will be taxed. So, so those are the, the questions. So just, we just have to go for a quick break. Sure. Yeah, let's go for an ad break. When we come back, maybe we'll pick up on your point. Welcome back to The Burning Issue with myself, Yazid Kamaldin. We are talking about the government's proposed national health insurance. It is at the level of discussion. There is uh, a, a chance for you to participate. There is a public participation process happening at the moment. Our guest in studio is Mehboob Ali Kasim, and he is the director of the Independent Community Pharmacy Association. We also have on the phone Johan Serfontaine. Johan, are you still with us? Yes. Cool, and he is um, a senior consultant with the South African Private Practitioners Forum. By the way, who does this forum represent, Johan? Uh, they represent about 6,500 uh, private practitioners, of which 3,500 are private specialists, and then we've got about 3,000 optometrists, and physiotherapists. Okay, and then we are now going to welcome to the show Michelle Dutoy. She is an advocate and also uh, on the steering committee of the People's Health Movement South Africa. Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Yeah, look, um, Mehboob, you had a point you wanted to make before the break, and then I want to check the WhatsApp messages, and then we want to talk to Michelle as well. Yeah, look, we can probably discuss it. I think you've got Doctor on the line for a while, so so let's get Michelle's introduction and then we can get into. Okay, so you want to make a point later? Yeah, not, okay, cool. become part of the conversation. I thought you just wanted to say something urgently. Okay, cool. Let's go back to our listeners. Listeners, thank you, of course, for your WhatsApp messages. You are saying quite a few interesting things. Listener four two seven eight is saying, or is asking actually, why can't the government start with the elderly? Give them a quality healthcare. Start there. Then, of course, um, by the way, panelists, we don't expect you to respond to every question and every comment made. We just make sure on the radio station that we have community voices on the show as well. Listener 8051 is saying, thank you. Shukran for the topic on NHI. It's very interesting. Listener 4587 says, I support NHI and would like to see the minister cancel medical aids of all government workers. All government workers and their families must attend government hospitals to improve services they provide. And then listener... One six seven eight is in quite a lengthy message, but let's go through it. Uh, it says, "Is government saying that medical aid schemes are going to fall away?" Let's answer that question very quickly. Johan, are medical aid schemes going to fall away? Yes or no? Well, no. No, uh, cool. We've got the answer. Complimentary cover, okay, that we've got the answer. It's not going to fall away. Also, what about people sitting for hours at day hospitals? Now, this is a problem. 
that is happening currently. I think I should ask Johan this, and I'll ask Mehboop actually, very briefly, okay? Will NHI ensure that we have greater access, i.e. in numbers, to services? And will this mean that people will not sit for hours at hospitals? Mehboop, what is your take? Um, look, that's the whole point, access to healthcare. So the idea that we're going for as the independent community pharmacist is we're saying here's 1,200 pharmacists, uh, pharmacies, here's 3,500 pharmacists, here's 20,000 support personnel. Okay, so you're Tell saying there's you're more hospitals so exactly. more people can access why should Why should that, that mother going to fetch her medication for her child wait in the same queue as the guy who was coughing with TB? or any other contagious disease, uh, bronchitis or whatever, That's putting that child at risk, why can't cool. you go to the practice nearby home and get the medicine? Yeah, but Johan, what do you think? Do you think that there'll be any positive impact? I mean, people, I mean, myself included, we go, I've been to a public health care facility, I know what it's like, you sit for hours, you know. Um, will NHI improve the waiting time for people? Well, it all depends on where people register, because you're going to have to register for a primary care entry point into the system. Um, now, that could either be the community clinic where you're currently standing in queues, or that you then register with GPs that are in the area. Now, it's unlikely that the GPs are still going to be able to do appointments like they currently do in the private sector, because you can't have appointments at one point of entry and a queue at the other end. So you'll find that, that most probably it will be on a first-come, 1st first serve basis with your GPs as well, which... Um, might mean that you've got shorter queues if you previously used the state system, but if you previously were used to making an appointment to see your GP and you've waited for maybe half an hour, that is likely to become uh, quite a bit longer now under this system. Okay, so, so for some people who are not used to waiting, they might start waiting. Listen to one thing. Sorry, may I fall in here? Yeah, hi. Yeah, Michelle, of course. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Mm. Um, so, I mean, currently, the, the public sector serves at least 84% of the, the population. Um, and if you look at the split of the amount of service providers in the public sector versus the private sector, um, it does not reflect that same statistic of 16 versus um, 84%. So, in fact, the, the waiting time for the, the majority of the population will decrease substantially without really affecting the people that aren't used to waiting. Okay, cool. Thank you, Michelle. Uh, we do have listener 1357 also with a few questions. The advantage of having people on the panel who know these things is that we as average citizens get to understand better what's happening. So listener 1357 wants to know, and this is the question that has now been answered, but it's, uh, the question is, will it be a much better system than the delayed system at the, in the government sector where patients have to sit the whole duration of the day due to lack of staff, waiting to be seen by only one doctor on duty and waiting hours for meds so um it's it's a bit of a um yeah people are saying yes and people are saying no let me, let me come in there please, yeah. if you don't mind yeah. it so sure. so i think w what's happening here is this, this nhr thing it's it's a huge thing people are scared people are nervous as healthcare providers we don't even know what the final bill will look like it's a seven-year rollout period or six-year rollout period there's a lot happening but i think as a member of public i'm going to give an example so here in the western cape we do EPI, what we call the Extended Immunization Program, and we do family planning. Okay? For me, that is a concept model for NHI. So what happens? The state, the Department of Health, Western Cape or National, sends the medication to the pharmacy, which is registered with the Department of Health. The medication is then given to the patient at no charge, and a slight service fee is charged for that. So 
what happens now when you say that the public patient is getting their medicines for free that's an incorrect statement because number one that person has to take a day of work number two they have to get one two three four taxes to get there when they finally do get to the front of the queue possibly out of stocks and and the people who've experienced public system will understand exactly what i'm trying to say so you get to the front of the queue you're out of stock you take another day of work study done 250 rand is what it costs a public patient to pick up the medicine from a public facility. And that's because of the costs involved in just getting to the facility and staying out of work for the day. So what we're saying is if we take that model, where you can now get this public patient, he doesn't have to take a day of work or she doesn't have to take a day of work. We, pharmacies, for example, are open till late. They can go in the evening, get their medicines after work. They can go on a Saturday, on a Sunday. It's not a case of I have to take a day of work. I don't have to take a taxi because I can go to the closest facility to where I live. So I'm saving the fee that I would have spent on a taxi. Well, that's assuming that there's a private facility near to where people live. So that's what that's what that, we is, that need is to an do. assumption you are making. Because if I'm living in Manenberg or Kaguguletu or an, a low-income area, there isn't necessarily a private no, facility. That, that, that's untrue. So we've got a geo map, and we've only got 1,200 pharmacies as members. These are privately owned pharmacies, and 40% of our membership is in extremely rural area, and there's a huge majority that's in partially rural, and the balance is in urban. So no, when am I not going to spend money to get to the facility? Well, but compare what you're spending, okay? So I'll equate that. That's public sector Because we example. need real examples here, you that, know? That's exactly the public yeah. sector example. So mm -hmm. what will happen is you'll go to a tertiary hospital, you'll get discharged with the script, and then you'll have to pick it up at the closest day hospital to where you live. Unfortunately, there's not enough day hospitals. So why? And, and I mean, just the fact that you don't have to take a day of work is a bonus already. The fact that you as a public patient can now also experience the luxury of going on the weekend to go and fetch your medicines and not having to stand during the week in a queue. Okay, so that's already two huge advantages. That's, that's just from a financial point. Now you're decanting that facility. So that tertiary facility will, or the clinic where the patient used to go can now see the sick people that need to be there. Okay, yeah? cool. Um, I want to work my way through the many questions of our listeners as well. And, of course, we still need to get Michelle's take on, on, on NHI. Um, listener 1357 wants to know, is NHI for unemployed? Yes, it is. In a nutshell, yes. Um, will you be able to use your health insurance at private hospitals? And will it have other benefits? You will be able to use it at private hospitals. Um, and the listener finally says, I think it's a brilliant idea to implement a national health insurance. Listener 2192 says, I refuse to belong to a medical aid due to the amount I have to contribute monthly towards it. It is sickening. How will I benefit from NHI going forward? I hope more doctors and nurses will be employed in the Western Cape well. NHI will be a public health service that you can access as you are currently doing when you go to a hospital. Am I correct in saying that, Mayboop? That's correct. Yeah. So, um, listener 0306 asks, did government indicate what percentage employees will have to contribute for the, from their salaries to NHI? Does anybody have an answer to that? I don't think the exact figures are out yet, okay. um, but I, I, I have a feeling and, and the, the initial study will probably be single digit figures. So that means less than 10% of, of your, however it's calculated. And obviously as the program increases and the service basket increases, those things will have to be relooked. Um, remember this is a work in progress. You're not going to start NHI tomorrow and it's going to be perfect. We're going to have issues. We're going to try and iron out those issues. We're going to try and fix it. 
with the ultimate goal of the patient in mind. Mm-hmm. That's the most important. If us as healthcare professionals can just keep that ultimate goal of the 84% of public patients that do not have access to healthcare, if we can keep them in mind, yeah. we can sit down the I'd like us not to design. repeat the same things over and over because I got a lot of questions. I want quick answers because I want to make sure our listeners understand NHI. Um, sorry, just to come in on that one, yeah. yeah. uh, yeah. the last figures we had on any kind of costing was at 256 billion in 2010 rands, which is uh, about 400 billion rand in 2019 rands and to get to that they would have needed a 3% increase in taxes, there's no income taxes, a 3.5% increase in a, some kind of uh, employer tax and a 4% increase in that. Well we know that's not going to happen so they're going to have to increase the other two a little bit more. Uh, just on the 84% of the population using the public sector. The public sector might cover 84% of the population, but the latest last figures that were available in 2016 showed that 10.9 million people actually used the public services. So so one needs to make a difference between how many people it covers and how many people actually use it, because there's not that many more that use it compared to sort of the private sector when it comes to numbers. But that's, that makes the point even worse, because that just means that out of the if out of the 84% of the population, only that number is accessing the services, um, then the other, the rest of the numbers don't even have access. Correct. Um, some they might not need access. They might um, be healthy enough not to need healthcare services. Um, can I just ask, is that 256, 256 billion rand an estimated amount of what it would cost per year if NHI were implemented? Yeah, but that was, that was based on the actual government spend in 2010, which was escalated at an inflationary figure every year up to 2026. Okay. Cool. So, so, but that was in 2010 rands. One needs to stress that. Yeah. When inflation comes in, we said with 400 billion rand in 2019 rands. So I, just, I, know, I know you don't want us to labor the point, but I just want to put it into perspective. 260 billion. The private health gets spent 250 odd billion for 8%. 260 billion, 84 percent. You see what I'm talking about. Look, I don't. For for me, for me, this isn't a battle between private care and public. It's about where money is being spent. Yeah. So you're Mm -hmm. spending the same amount of money that's being spent in the entire public health care system on 8% of the population. You see where I'm going with that? So Look, you're spending I, 260 I, I billion on mm-hmm. 8% of the population, and 260 billion is going to the other 84%. And I know you don't want to harp on percentages, but you need to put into No, I don't mind percentages, but right. this is the thing. For me, this the, the big question tonight is how can or can NHI not work? Correct. That is Correct. the thing. 100%. This is not about being, I mean, I get that the private healthcare sector might be antagonistic towards NHI because government is saying to them, you need to come on board. And of course, they could lose customers because now people will be saying, well, if I pay for NHI, I can access my government health facility if it's equal to a private health facility. Because I would do that too. If government says to me, I can go to a private access, private Level healthcare by paying a monthly NHI tax, I'll do it because medical aid is very expensive. Correct. So what you happens? Know? More money in your pocket. Well, I mean, you know, you can then not have to spend so much money on on getting decent healthcare. But the question isn't on whether or not the two systems are better than the other. The question is, will NHI work? Because we know the government system is crippling. Even the minister spokesperson said that on the show. I'd like to work my way through the other questions. Um, listener 0115 says, 
I am in full agreement with Dr. Silfontein and as citizens we should be very concerned with what this government wants to implement as everything, as everything else government has implemented in this country has been an utter disaster and failure. That is a very valid point that a lot of people make because of the corruption we see around us. We are not saying we have no faith in the possibility of government implementing NHI. That is just a very relevant concern that we have. 100%. You know? And this is where the checks and balances come in. So as healthcare providers and as public, we need to ensure when we comment on this bill, we're very clear on what we want. We're saying, yes, we want the people to have access to health care, but we want to make sure that the level of corruption is at its lowest or non-existent. So we need to put checks and balances in place if we are to support this kind of an initiative. And that's the whole point, is to say, yes, we want it. Now, how do we make it work? Mm-hmm. Let's go for a quick ad break. When we come back, we'll answer more of your questions and also hear from our panelists on the way forward. Welcome back to Burning Issue with myself, Yazid Kamaldin. As mentioned, we are talking about the National Health Insurance Bill. Now, government has said, in fact, on the show earlier this evening, that it is going to go ahead. Yes, it is open for public participation and there is sort of arguments against it but it seems that government is serious about going ahead with this. Now I don't want to be sort of I don't want the show to become a, 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 ease, a, a, a debate on whether private healthcare is better than public healthcare that's not what this is about. This is about understanding NHI and how it affects you the citizen. Now we haven't yet given a chance to Michelle from the People's Health Movement South Africa to state their position on NHI. Michelle very briefly what is your position your organization's position on NHI? Um, the organization's position, PHN's position on the NHI is we are fully in support of a step towards national health insurance system. Um, we do have certain issues with the bill in its current format um, and the People's Health Movement does have a People's NHI um, which it proposes as a somewhat of an alternative to the to the um is that on a website somewhere where can we see it that is on the website um i'll i'll give you all the details in a second um but our main concerns with the bill are firstly the lack of public participation leading up to this process of the bill um there have been opportunities for public comment and submissions to be made and so on. Um, but that is all very restrictive in a way that, one, you firstly have to know that these channels exist to make comments. Um, you then have to know and how to go to the, through the procedures of making these written comments. Often, if there are stakeholder engagements or meetings or such, they aren't adequately advertised. Um, so as PHM feels that the public participation has been slack on the government's part regarding the NHI, which ultimately seeks to address the needs of the population. And you cannot do that if you do not know what the, the needs are. Yeah. Look, um, I just want to say that our listener is actually raising this point as well, because here's a typical listener, 6945, which is saying that she has the listener has a fear 
that this will become something that will look excellent on paper, but it, when it gets to the realities and implementation, implementation, it's a disaster. Are the pros and cons being looked at? Health is an extremely serious element, really not something to take lightly. And that is really someone on the ground saying, you know what? Our government is going through this thing. They're throwing up this paper. And that says to me that this person hasn't even maybe been engaged with, you know? Yes. Um, I mean, this has been going for years. And only only now some people are learning about it, um, which is concerning. Because it is the government's onus to inform the people of what is happening and to engage them and to get their input on this. So, the, so PHM has a serious issue with the lack of stakeholder engagement that okay. there has been up uh, until this point. Yeah, apart from that, NHI, NHI um, you yes. know, you, you, you are supportive of it, right? Yes. Okay, and how do you see it working? Um, we, we see it working if certain issues are addressed. Um, one of the main things is we know that the current public sector is crippling. At the same time, and this comes off the comment made just before the break, the, the private sector is also not working. Um, the Competition Commission did an inquiry into the private sector um, and is concerned about the exorbitant inflation in the private sector because their prices increase far above inflation, far above the increases of service provider costs, um, except there we call it collusion. And the Competition Commission has found that the private sector is hindering access to healthcare as well, making it even more, un- making it inaccessible to the people that do have it. So neither, as you said, it's not as this or that. Neither of these two systems we have are working. So the NHI, it might not be perfect, but it is a step in a better direction. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Even, yeah. yeah, even if it's not executed perfectly, even if it takes longer, it is still a better step and will put people in a better position going forward than what we are in now. Okay. Listener 2336 has a question. Uh, how does one access specialists if, you, if we are going to implement NHI? Because, you know, we also had the understanding that uh, only a certain basket of services might mm. be available via NHI and one might have to get medical aid, so. you know, uh, to complement for, for complementary services. We'll be able to access Will one be able to access specialists via the NHI system? Yeah, so yes, if I, if I yes one will. Okay, thank um, you. Yeah. Specialists, one will, um, will, will work on a referral basis. Mm-hmm. So one won't be able to decide, oh, I think I need to go see an ENT or I think I need to go see a specialist in this area. You'll need to be referred by a GP. But will NHI pay for it? That's the question. Yes. yes, they will. yes. Okay, if cool. you are referred, via the doctor you've seen under the NHI, okay, cool. then the NHI will cover so, it. So, that's Michelle, cool. just to add on to her point, I mean, it's very important that we're not looking at NHI and thinking it's only affecting the public patient. That's not correct. Because like Michelle says, and I agree with her, that both private and public have the issues. And we need to come find some middle ground and deal with both issues. So one of the things is exactly that thing with the specialist. So in the private sector, for example, we just spoke of here, somebody needs to do a pap smear, for example. They pick up the phone, they phone the gynae. That's exactly the same procedure that can be done by a midwife, 
with the same amount of care and expertise. So right. why are we spending three and a half to five and a half thousand in the private sector going to a gynae for a pap smear, which could have been done by a midwife, and then if there were any irregularities, you'd then be referred to a specialist. We cannot have the specialist just doing pap smears because it's a regular pap smear. They need to see the seriously sick people. They need to be specialists. You cannot take your child to the pediatrician just because he or she has a flu. You need to go to the GP. The GP will treat them. If there's a serious case, you'll be referred to a specialist. And that is a private sector Remember, issue. Remember, very moment. often people pay in the private sector for comfort and and speed mm. you're not going to yes, sit mm, the, well, yeah. I'm sorry under the NHI yeah. it does provide for more efficient use of human resources because there will be more people available that is the assumption more yes. services will be accessible um, yes. Johan you're welcome to come in at any point if there's something you disagree with um, yeah look I mean the bill does make, make a provision for people to directly access specialists. The NHI won't fund, won't pay for it, but that really means is that the affluent people who can afford medical schemes will still have faster access to specialist service than the man on the street that has to follow the referral. Yeah, plan. so you don't have to go into a waiting yeah. list, as, as yeah. usually is the case in the Good. public system. Listener 062 uh, wants to know. Oh my goodness, this is the question for the public health service at the moment. This is not dealing directly with NHI. The listener right. basically says, why is it that you get your script at a main hospital like Grotesquier when you get to pick up chronic medication that tell you they're out of stock? That is a, a problem with the current system. Um, that is not really what we're focusing on now. But if anybody wants to answer that, I mean, we don't have somebody from the health department here to answer that. So the point is, hospitals, unfortunately, run out of stock sometimes. Do you want to answer do you want to say anything to that? No, no we can leave it. It's, it does it's a reality. Run. Yeah, hospitals run out of stock. Um, I, I think on that point, it's just it's presumptuous to presume that NHI is going to magically fix that mm-hmm. because public facilities at, at the moment, less than five percent of them would qualify to contract with the NHI fund. So unless the other ninety-five percent gets turned around completely within the next seven years. There's not going to be enough public facilities that qualify to contract with the NHR fund to actually render services. I think and then I, who's yeah. going to render services under NHR? I think I, I disagree with that because if you went to a private pharmacy, private doctor, private hospital, they would they could also run out of stock. I mean, stock issues are not just related to whether there yeah. is money to buy stock, it's whether the product is available, etc., etc. But what it I does agree. do is it enables and eases the access to that. So yeah. I went in the evening, there was no stock, I can go tomorrow yeah. evening. Okay. We do have some people who have positive experiences of the public health system as it stands, and one of them is Latifa Osman, and she's saying, for the past 13 years, I've been a patient at the Inova Park Day Hospital I've been referred to Grotesquier many times and I have no problem. One must have a little more patience though, but never did I not receive my tablets. There's someone who currently is experiencing something positive within the national health system. Listener 5826 says, I have been attending the day hospital in Lotus River for the past 12 years and it's exactly that. You spent the whole day there. The management of the facility should be addressed. Introduce a computerized numbering system. As you enter, you are given a number and that will stay with you for the duration of your visit. So that's someone saying, you know, they're already waiting for for the whole day. Um, Listener 7914 sounds very pessimistic regarding NHI and says, if government can't control crime, do you think that they will be able to control NHI? Listener 7876 says... 
I propose we keep an open mind on the national health insurance. No one in their right mind can be against universal health coverage. It must be acknowledged that we have two broken systems in South Africa. Neither the private nor the public sector can be held out to the answer, can be held out to answer the constitutional right to health care. I agree that the NHI bill has some flaws, but it will require all of us to commit to the idea of universal health care to make a new system a success. And listen, if, do you want, if anybody feels they want to comment, please feel free to do so. Just indicate when you're on the phone. Go ahead, Michelle. All right. Um, yes, just from PHN standpoint, because PHN South Africa is, is part of the the global PHM chapter. And I, th- I think what is often um, neglected to mention in South African um, discussions around the NHI is that this move towards universal health coverage is an international shift. It is happening all around the world. Um, countries that have gotten it right, countries that are struggling with it, it doesn't happen overnight. But it's not like our government has gone off on its own tangent deciding to do this. This is happening all yeah, across yeah. the we've, we've heard from our two other guests as well about some examples that work and some that don't. Yes. Um, I want to now go for, okay. let me just check okay. the time. Um, do we need to go for a break? Okay, cool. Um, we are going to, uh, Michelle, by the way, we want to thank you for joining us. Do you have any closing comments? Because we want to also get Cosato on the line. Um, yes, um, just that PHM invites anyone that wants to know more about People's Health Movement's um, People's NHI campaign. To You can dial star 134 star 1994 star 333 hash for free and PHM sends you updates on anything that PHM does and you can also access any information via our website. Can you please tell us the website? The website is phm.org. Thank you. Michelle, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. It is an absolute pleasure. It's almost time for us to wrap up Burning Issue with myself, Kazid Kamaldin. I really want to get through to all of your questions. I'm hoping to do so. Um, I now also want to welcome onto the show another guest. And this is Dr. Ali Hamdulay, Chairperson of the Board of Health Funders. Is that correct? Yes, correct. Assalamualaikum, okay. Yazid. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa Doc. Welcome to the show. Um, the Board of Health Funders, for our listeners who do not know about it, can you briefly tell us what it is and who it represents? Okay, thank you. Um, the Board of Health Funders um, is a representative organization for uh, medical schemes and the companies that do the administration and manage care services. Okay, and what is your what is your position on the government's proposed national health insurance? Uh, so um, you know the policy paper was initially um, launched at the 2007 ANC con- conference at Polokwane, and um, subsequent to that, you know, the BHF had a significant conference where the national health insurance opportunities and um, advantages and disadvantages were discussed. 
And we took a policy decision at the time to support universal health care and NHI uh, for several reasons, you know, one of which being that, you know, health is a constitutional right and uh, supported by the National Development Plans. And um, also, you know, the desire for universal health care uh, in our country is, is an important one. Uh, when I speak about universal health care, I speak about the ability of anybody in our country to access health care that's free at point of care, that there's no discrimination based on your ability to pay, um, that uh, the quality of health care that you receive is, is conducive, and that nobody should suffer any financial strain due to seeking out health care um, services. So the Board of Health Care Funders definitely supports um, the drive for universal health care and national health insurance. Can we afford it? I think there is a, a lot of elements to that. Um, we're currently spending 250 billion rand in the private sector on healthcare services and another 220 billion rand in the state sector. So um, we are spending quite a lot. And within that current context, there's a lot of inefficiencies. So, um, you know, we see universal healthcare and uh, national health insurance uh, uh, an acute opportunity to fix some of those inefficiencies the policies that will be developed, etc. So affordability is, is currently relative. I think that um, over time we need to do some more research in terms of understanding exactly what it will cost us. But by reorganizing our pools of funds, there is an opportunity definitely to commence a rollout of national health insurance okay. and to do it with the Thank support you. of the private sector. Mm-hmm. But remember, there's a lot of assets in the private sector. Yeah, we've been discussing that. Systems, uh, there's thought leadership um, you know, we've, we've done this for medical aids for many years. So the ability to administer national health insurance by the private sector is definitely a, a pertinent one. Yeah. I just want to acknowledge some of our listeners again. We've got Ernie listening all the way from Port Elizabeth sending a message that private health care should increase the funds allocated to medical conditions like the list of chronic medication um, and stating very um, with, with such anger almost saying private healthcare is pathetic. Um, that is almost an example of how private healthcare can actually be inhibiting. And that's one of the arguments that have been made here um, this evening on the show. Now, we also want to look at some of the other uh, questions, um, you know. Um, I'm going to look specifically at, uh, at questions that relate to, to NHI. There are questions that relate to the current service that people are experiencing at government facilities. Um, you know, we, we do understand, of course, that people have mentioned waiting lines, etc. Um, and I think that is indicative of um, the system, of course, that can improve. And, and government is saying that by opening the doors of private healthcare facilities and almost amalgamating it in a way with the public sector, then more people can be helped. Now, um, unfortunately, we do have listeners who feel very pessimistic about government. We have yet another one, and listener 6034 saying, government can't even run ESCOM, SAA, SABC, or PRASA. How will they run NHI? Another means of corruption and stealing taxpayers' money. Uh, is that not a concern, Dr. Hamdulay? You know, should we as citizens not be concerned that if government is going to tax us more for something called NHI, the National Health Insurance, should we not be concerned how that money will be spent and if it will be administered with you know out corruption 
first, uh, I mean, you mentioned the private sector, you know, all medical schemes and all funding entities, and therefore government as well. We must hold, you know, everybody accountable, especially where they are pulling funds and have a responsibility to ensure that the funds are used in the correct way. Um, currently, with the National Health Insurance Bill that's being uh, tabled now in Parliament in front of the National Assembly, there's a, a window period of, um, of commentary and public participation. I think it's important, and we're certainly encouraging um, our member schemes, and we as BHF will also make a submission to ensure that, you know, all these um, challenges that we perceive um, can become real, that there is those, that those issues are highlighted and there's opportunity to address them. When you look at uh, the bill currently, it speaks about a board uh, that's um, thoroughly constituted with the correct skill set, speaks to the functions of the CEO, and speaks to other governance structures. So, you know, in that context, we, we must make sure that there are processes in place to ensure that there is full accountability, monitoring and evaluation, and uh, participation uh, and transparency in the expenditure that will be required for, for healthcare services. Johan, do you think we can trust our government to run NHI effectively? I'm inclined not to think so, because if you look at the current structures, governance structures of ESCOM, of SAA, of the SABC, all of those have these anti-corruption measures in place, and they're not working, because the system is broken and people are not being held accountable. How many health department officials have gone to jail for corruption in the healthcare sector? Nobody. So we, it's really it's a situation where we can talk all we want about people being held accountable, but it is not practically happening on the ground. And unless it actually starts happening on a large scale to people that are busy robbing the state blind, there's no way that we're going to believe that the NHI suddenly is miraculously going to be working in a different way than all of these other parastatals that have become prone to state capture. Mehboob, what do you think? Can well, we trust government? Look, um, I think that's one point we might agree on, is that there will be issues. There will be issues. But what's important is that we put mechanisms in place to stop that. We cannot delay health care to the people just because we have a fear of corruption. The fear of corruption and stealing will always be there. But those people need health care now. We need to do something. Mm-hmm. I mean... You know, Johan, here's the thing, though. The minister's spokesperson said to me on the show earlier this year that this is going ahead. Yeah, that is the big problem. This is a politically driven system at this stage. So the ANC is so liable for this now because they promised free health care for all under NHI for the past two national elections and the past two local elections. So they're so deeply entrenched in this that... You know, it's going to be a major political loss for them if they had to suddenly say, well, we're not doing NHI anymore. But I'm inclined to think that if they come out at this point and tell the country honestly that they do not think we can implement NHI because it's too expensive and there's too many issues, but we're going to start looking at practical ways of improving health care for all South Africans, I don't think anybody will have a problem with that. Okay. You know, we can't be driving this purely for ideology's sake. Okay. Look, let me just go to one last message from a listener, and then I'm going to give all our panelists the chance to wrap up. Ernie from Port Elizabeth has sent a follow-up message saying, I agree that we all need access to universal health care. It should be equal, and it does not matter what gender, race, or what background you come from. It should be equal, as well as the medication 
provided should be fair to each patient. And that is what a listener is saying all the way from Port Elizabeth. Let's go to our panelists. It's time to wrap up the show. We'll start in, well, let's start on the phone with Dr. Ali Hamdulay, Chairperson of the Board of Health Funders. Do you have any closing remarks on the way forward? You know, I think we, thank you, I think we must, um, we must welcome the opportunity to transform our health environment. Certainly if we continue with the current tangent, then I think we, we're going to have a system that's going to be um, completely imperfect and undesirable for the future, you know, both private and public. So there's a window of opportunity for us to contribute, to make our voices heard, to add um, thought leadership to the conversation and make sure that you know, ultimately, we, we end up with a solution that we're all comfortable with, that we all recognize will be effective uh, and will be efficiently run. And there are opportunities, and those opportunities are right now. So I certainly encourage, you know, all organizations uh, and the public as well, public organizations, to participate in the process. And I yeah. think that's quite I mean, are, will there be public meetings, or is it literally just having to go onto a website and, and typing in comments? The, I think through the National Council of Provinces, I speak under correction, that um, there, there was envisaged town hall meetings, but we'll just have to check with the department on, on the process regarding that. Okay, well, listen, at 5660, let me read your comment. You've asked so nicely. The listener says, the current government system, though messed up, as it is, is somehow still working. Government must employ competent professionals to fix the system and get rid of incompetence. Okay, so we're almost done with the show. We now want to ask Johan Serfontaine. He's a senior consultant with the South African Private Practitioners Forum. Johan, your closing remarks, please. Um, I think definitely, you know, as South Africans, we need to move away from these grand, grand policy decisions. We need to start looking at small practical steps we can take to fix the problems we have, you know. Because having these grand plans can't fix things doesn't work. ESCOM, uh, SAA had 10 turnaround plans in the last decade. None of them worked. We need to, our problem is implementing things. So implementing a grand thing is not going to work. We need to look at how do we fix the public health care system now so that there's 84% of the population that it covers can get better access to quality. And then we look at how do we take it from there? How do we improve it? How do we get them access into the private sector as well? And now, Mabud, you know your name is kind of hard for me to say. Can you say your name? Mabub Ali. Mabub. Okay, cool. So, look, yeah. I think I think what's important from from an ICPA independent community pharmacy perspective is to say, we've made these one thousand two hundred sites available, saying to the minister, here we are as healthcare professionals. Let us see how we can engage and make this work. This is an issue that's been going on. I mean, since nineteen ninety four. How much longer must the people wait for for a healthcare system that covers everyone? I don't think we have the time or the luxury of time to wait. Um, there's certain interest groups that have a monopoly interest and maybe a capitalist interest in it. I think we must leave the politics out of it and start here realizing that what we're doing here is we're doing it for the patient and that's what's important is open the door sit down at the table and say how do we deliver and create access to health care to the people of South Africa fantastic with that we've come to the end of another edition of Burning Issue with myself Yazid Kamaldin I want to thank all our guests for being on air tonight with us as a member of the public please do go and find out more about the National Health Insurance Bill find out how it's going to affect your pocket but more importantly your health from myself assalamualaikum Thank you.